0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Would you remain standing for a reading of God's word from Romans chapter three, starting in verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God is attested by the law in the prophets. The righteousness of God that's through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove in this present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It's excluded. By what law? Is it the law of works? No, the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith Apart from works prescribed by the law? Or is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't He also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one, and He will justify the circumcised through the same faith as the uncircumcised. Do we then overthrow the law by faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The word of the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we give you thanks for the breath in our lungs, and we just invite you to open up our ears, the ears of our hearts, to hear and receive your word today. May your word come today not in word alone, but in power, with full conviction, and with your Holy Spirit. This is our prayer through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, you know me. I I like to say things that get under your skin, that challenge you, that stick with you. And you've heard me say many times that if the gospel is not good news for everyone, then it's not good news. If the gospel isn't good news for every single person, then it can't qualify as being good news. And you might say, no, that's not how that works, Brady. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. There's always losers. Well, this weekend, let's just say that you and I are Lobos fans. And we're talking about the game last night, that it's good news that the Lobos won 41 to nothing. They shut out Maine. Now, if someone else is in the restaurant with us, and they're from Maine, is that gonna be good news for them? No. I mean, I worry about even telling that story that maybe there are visitors here from Maine. Well, you see, with the righteousness of God, with the good news that's expressed through it, it is different. Because God is not on one side. He's on and for all people. The gospel is good news for everyone. In fact it shows up in the story that we're very familiar with the story that i could tell you the whole story of scripture in just a few lines little paragraph god created this whole world he made everyone in it he made everything in it for the purpose of living in harmony us with god and us with one another but adam and eve did what every human being in this audience today has done yep we choose to go our own way. We choose to go our own path upriver. We, we tend to go away from God and function as our own God. And yet God is persistent. And so he said, how can I write this? How can I make this good? And he chose Abraham among all the people of the earth to bless, set apart this one group of people for the purpose of being a light to all nations, And even though he gave them instructions and guidance, they weren't really a light to the nations. In fact, even worse, people would look at them and say, all right, if that's what following God looks like, I don't want anything to do with that at all. And yet God is persistent that even though the Jews could not be the light, God remains true. Well, I've been bugged all week this week, with people talking about this series, this Together series, specifically about whether or not I actually got in the river. I mean, last week I told you how Nathan and my college roommate and I were gonna go tubing down the river. We got separated and that's where I left it because there's more to the story. We didn't really have enough time to go tubing. We were needing to get those tubes back. We were needing to go on to dinner, but we were committed and so we went we got ready to get in the river. We found a place where we could get in and we're about to, to get in. And I say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Uh, what, what if we are not together? What, what if we get separated? I mean, that's happened before this afternoon. And so we kind of tried to make a plan, you know, should we hold hands? That didn't seem very manly for us to be <laughs> holding hands, floating down the river, link arms. And then there's the matter of our shoes because Nathan was fully equipped in swimming trunks and sandals. I had, luckily, flip-flops and my hiking clothes, and James, all he had was tennis shoes. So what James did was to shove his tennis shoes through the handle of the tube, and we were ready to risk it. We were a little shaken, but Nathan got in first, got a little bit separated from us, and James jumps in and immediately flips over his tube. Soaks his tennis shoes. He's in the water. His tube is going every which way. And the current is stout and stiff. It's threatening to whip him away. Nathan helps him get in there. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I I have to get in now. I get in. No problem. I'm in the tube. And then people begin screaming at me. Hey, hey, what? I'm like, what is it? These people had lost their hat that was floating kind of towards me. So I started paddling toward the hat, and I picked up the hat, and they cheer, yay! So I've got these people's, these strangers' hat, Nathan has James's hat, he couldn't save his sunglasses, and away we go. And I'm feeling pretty good, you know, I've had people cheer for me already, I didn't fall in. And then I hit the first rapids. And I flip my tube, I lose that hat entirely, my flip-flops go every which way, and I am struggling in the current and I think that I'm fairly in shape but this is whipping me down the river. My feet are getting cut up and bruised and I don't know if I'm even gonna get my tube back, let alone my flip-flops. I finally get in the tube and I'm face planted in the tube with my hiney up in the air like a sail just hanging on for dear life and I look kind of terrified, James and Nathan far ahead, and there's one flip-flop six feet ahead of me and one flip-flop six feet behind me. It took the current swirling and me trying to get them and getting flipped over multiple times before some other kind soul grabbed up my flip-flops, put them on the bank. When we got through the end of that, Donna had said, oh, take pictures. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I got to the end where we were gonna get out and thankfully we were all in the same place and I just couldn't even get out. You know, when I told you these stories, it's to express the point that we make mistakes, and that's where we were last week, right? We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. But where I left us was in this same dilemma, kinda stuck in the water that we're all stuck in, and there's two dilemmas that stand out. A dilemma for us, and also a dilemma for God. The dilemma for us is if if we're sinners, if we can't justify ourselves by the things that we do, if we're unable to save ourselves, then how do we get to live in a relationship with God? How do we get to have that kind of closeness and relationship? And then the dilemma for God is this, that if he's just, if he's right, how is he gonna invite sinners into his presence? Can he just wave a magic wand and dismiss it away? In his justice and in his righteousness, doesn't he have to do something? Does he dismiss all of these promises made to Abraham? Does he throw away the law? These are the dilemmas that are present. And what I wanna do this week, again, is to give you the point right up front. This is about the righteousness of God which is new. It builds upon what God has done in the past. It definitely includes it. But this is about the righteousness of God revealed through Jesus Christ. It's unveiled and unclothed and discovered by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And God has chosen to make right to justify those who will have faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. Well, how in the world do we get there? Well, I'm going to invite you on a little journey with me. I'm going to be your guide. I've done the heavy lifting, and know it's not a river, so you can trust me on this one. We're going to look at where Jesus shows up in this passage. There are three verses that I want us to look at. Verse 22, verse 24, and 26. Isn't that handy? They're all even. In each one of these places, this is where Jesus shows up. And in the first one, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. In the second one, it's Christ Jesus, the Messiah named Jesus. And then in the third one, it's just Jesus' given name in verse 26. Here at First Christian, we're followers of Jesus. That guides everything that we do. It is emblazoned upon our hearts. It's how we make it through life at work and with our family. Because by being with Jesus and doing what Jesus did, Trying to say those things Jesus said and to go where Jesus leads, that's what makes us survivors. And so it's good for us to take a look at these verses and to see where Jesus shows up. All right, are you ready? Verse one, verse 22. I want you to look in your your Bible and see whether or not your translation says faith in Jesus or faith of Jesus. And you might have to get your readers out because sometimes it's in a footnote, but faith in Jesus or faith of, what do some of your translations say? Faith in. Most of them are going to say faith in Jesus. Now let me just let you on a secret that translators have to make a choice, and they're making a choice in this case, and I'll bore you with this one. It could be an objective genitive or a subjective genitive. Now you can just erase that from your memory as soon as I've said it. Because here's what it means. For it to be an object, it means that it's the faith that we place in Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith, right? That makes plenty of sense, right? To be the subject, it means that it's Jesus who's the subject of faith. It's Jesus' faithfulness. Now did you catch that? So it could be about our faith that we place in Jesus, or it could be about the faithfulness of Jesus. Now this is really important. It brings us to our second verse. I'm I'm wanting us to hear this as the faith of Jesus. That's what I'm making a case for. In verse 24, we find out in verse 25 as well, that Jesus is the one who is put forward, that we're justified, were made righteous by God's own grace. And we actually get the the word in here. The redemption is in Christ Jesus. It's clear as day there. There's no choice for the translator to make because it's actually there. God puts forward Jesus in this place of atonement, and he passes over our sins. For those of you Old Testament folks, this is the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is there wiping away our sins. Which brings us to the third one. And this is the one I want to read. Third place where Jesus shows up. Verse 26. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who shares the faith of Jesus. I'm translating it there as I want you to hear it. Shares the faith of Jesus of Jesus. Here we get the proof of what God is doing, that this is God's righteousness for all of those who share in Jesus' faith. Now, why am I making such a big deal of this? Because some of you may already be asleep at this point saying, "Where, where are we going down this path? Three things to take this a little bit further. In this verse, verse 26, it's actually in the text, the faith of Jesus. Again, it's got that word of that's present. One place that you could look, you don't have to, but in chapter 4, verse 16, we get this exact same phrasing, but it's a different person. Sharing the faith of Abraham. And the translators get it right there. The King James Version gets it right. The New International Version gets it right. And it's the faith of Abraham, not faith that we would place in Abraham. Now these translators, they make all kinds of choices, and some of the newer translations help you see this more clearly. Second thing, I want you to go back, this is me proving my point just a little bit further, if you go back to verse 22, and you look again at what Paul writes, the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe. If you read it as the faith of Christ, it makes sense. If you read it faith in Christ, it gets to be redundant. Faith in Christ for all who have faith. It's kind of saying it the same way. The words faith and the words belief are the same. The final thing that I'll say is chapter 1, verse 17. A verse that I get to mention almost every week. This very key theme verse. 16 and 17 of chapter 1. Paul says that we are accessing the righteousness of God through faith, for faith, for all who will live by faith. And if you're like me, you're scratching your head. That's a whole lot of faiths. What do we do with that? Through faith and for faith? It makes sense if you hear through the faith of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus, for all of us who have faith in Jesus. Now, you will be delighted to know that it doesn't make any difference which way you go on this. In fact, I'll I'll lay out a little commercial here. Good Christians disagree about things. Translators disagree about things. In fact, sometimes you might find Christians who don't wanna disagree upon everything, but they can't stand to be in the same room with anybody that disagrees with them. That's not reality. Good Christians see things differently from one another. And the good news is you don't have to uh, care about the of or the in in this case because the point is the same. What's new, what's insightful, is that Paul says we all can access God through faith. I simply think it makes it stronger if we're putting our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Because if I'm trusting my own faith, I tend to fall short. I mean, I'm someone who's spent my entire life devoted to faith, training myself in faith, growing up as a preacher's kid, and yet I still wouldn't want to stand only on my faith. Non-Christians that are hearing my voice today might say, well, I don't fit with this. I got lost way back when you said objective and subjective. How does this have anything to do with me? Paul is expressing to us the power of God that everyone, Jewish insiders and outside Gentiles, religious insiders, and those who feel far away from God, there's no ranking of sin, there's no one upping or better, all come to the righteousness of God through faith. Despite our mistakes, we're trusting in the faithfulness of jesus we're we're wanting to imitate his faithfulness we're wanting to follow after his life and to copy his way of living because jesus is the real deal and i think there's a reason that outsiders absolutely love jesus and this might be it because he welcomed all do you notice this the kinds of crazy scandalous banged up people that reach out to and love Jesus and the religious people the people that have it together almost can't stand him because he's a threat I think of woman the woman who was caught in bleeding she'd had bleeding for a number of years who reaches out in faith and touches Jesus and Jesus says go daughter your faith has made you well Or the blind men or the lepers that come to him and jesus says your faith has made you well really is it my faith or is it that we're trusting in jesus we know that he will be faithful he's the one who can provide healing i think that's why outsiders absolutely love jesus now there's a lot here right There's a lot in this passage, and so I want to make it entirely simple for you. There's four things that we learn about God. And the first one is this, that God is impartial. The good news is good news for everyone. And if it's not, if the way I express that good news is not good news for all, then I've missed something. God is impartial. He treats Jews and Gentiles the same. We all come to God through faith. Second. God is faithful to his promises. The things that he made and promised to Abraham, to the Jewish people, he doesn't just make those vaporize. When God says something, even when other people break it, God is faithful to those promises. He will keep it. Third, God has dealt fully and completely with sin in Jesus Christ. He's taken care of it. He put forward Jesus as this sacrifice. Sacrificing Jesus on the altar of the world. Why? So that the world could be cleared of sin. It could be taken away. God's impartial. God is faithful to his promise. God has dealt with our sin in Jesus Christ. And the fourth one is that he makes righteous all who will share the faith of Jesus Christ. If we will reach out to him in faith and trust and belief, all of those words mean exactly the same thing. We've got different English words, but in the Greek, it's the same word. Faith, trust, belief. We reach out to Jesus in faith. Well, I did finally get out of the river, and we had a choice to make at this point. Uh, Would we go again? Now, if you ask me, no way. We don't have time. Uh, We've got to go to dinner. We've got to get these tubes turned in. But I asked James and Nathan, do you want to get back in again? And Nathan was like, yeah, I'd kind of like to go. And James was like, well, I'll do whatever you want. I'm with you guys. I mean, I guess he's saying that I'm with you now, but I'm never doing anything again with the three of you. So my internal thought process was, no, let's cut our losses. We should have cut our losses when we couldn't find each other. We should have just bailed out. But we decided to go again. And we squished our way, James barefoot, me and my flip flops, newly reclaimed from some mysterious saint somewhere, and we go to get back in. And some girls say, well, why don't you do, go up a little further so that you can get this big rapids? And of course, that's what we choose to do go up just a little bit further and enter into the rapids. We're a little bit frightened. We get in, we push off, and we float down the river. And I have my toes kind of on flip-flop lock. You know, I'm trying to keep these things from going anywhere. We're staying pretty close together, and it's fun. We're laughing just like we did the first time, not at one another, but laughing with joy because we've figured out what the purpose is of the tube. It's to make us float, (laughs) right? If you just stay on that thing. And there's something about needing to do that second time where we needed to write a different story. Maybe it's egotistical men wanting to be men, wanting that not to be the final memory, but I'd like to think that it's about writing a different story of really learning what trust is, where in so many times in our life, we're fighting against the current. We're trying to go our own way, trying to do things our way and walk up current, trying to stand on rocks that cut our feet and not just trusting in our, not in our own works and the things that we've done, but trusting in the faithfulness of God. So that tube taught me something about faith because God has the power to save all. Jews, Gentiles, religious insiders, and outsiders. And through this good news, he's displaying the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus for all of us who will simply trust in the faithfulness of Jesus. Let's pray. Eternal God, maker of heaven and earth, what you've done in this world and with us is astounding. Your persistence, your resilience, your desire to chase after us seems to know no bounds. And we thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus that displays for us your great righteousness, that shows us that we can trust and live our lives in the way that Jesus lived his faithful and devoted to you father would you help us this week as we struggle to make sense of life in our families life as a single person life in a new job or in an old job that we're tired of father would you help us to realize that trust in you is what it's all about that we'll put our faith in what you're doing in this world and that we'll proclaim this message of good news for all people, including us. We ask this through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.